fan. From the fish-filled Midwest lakes to the deep woods of the north, upland prairies filled with pheasants to the whistling wings of duck ponds, this is Saturday Morning Fan Outdoors, your show for hunting and fishing tips, topics, and conversations. You can also send us a question or opinion by emailing us, booth at kfan.com. Here's your host, the fan's Captain Billy Hildebrand. Well, the first boat on this Saturday, the 22nd of May, is just now heading up the lake. What a difference a week makes. Last week, I was counting boat after boat after boat, and this week, I don't know if there's a lack of interest, they didn't catch fish, or what the deal is, but underneath... Eh, mostly clear, a little bit of clouds in the west, skies and 67 degrees, aiming for a high of 84 humid degrees today, although you really don't feel it that much by the lake. Going to be a beautiful day. Good morning, Fan Outdoors faithful. Yes, southwest wind 10 to 20 miles an hour today. I think there's a minimal chance of rain, but um, it would be a good day to do anything outside, and you will probably want to since we have gone from cold in the morning within a couple of days to hot. And hold on, because I told somebody yesterday, just the horse, I don't know if it stopped yet, it could be snowing tomorrow. Let's welcome into the conversation, my very good friend, and partner on Fan Outdoors, from Pheasants Forever, the one and the only <laughs> Mr. Bob St. Pierre. Yeah, that's quite good morning, a, sir. <laughs> good morning. That's quite an introduction. Uh, you, you mentioned the S word already, snow. Yeah. Uh, are you starting to think about winter? No, I'm not. But, you know, <laughs> this roller coaster we're on called weather, and uh, as the hummingbirds dart away, they're up really early eating um but it's it just seems to be i don't know if it's typical or not typical but it's dry up in this part of the world oh yeah didn't you get the rain the last couple of days no oh really no. oh we got just pounded uh in no. a good way we've had um multiple soakers here in the twin cities so the garden is is lush and growing well at the moment as as are as are the dandelions in my yard, I'm practicing no mow may. So <laughs> DNR told me not to mow my lawn in May, Captain. So I'm uh, I'm I'm abiding by that uh, guidance. Although I see, I might, well, good uh, for I might, you. <laughs> I might break the rule later today. I'm sure glad we're not neighbors. <laughs> my neighbor, my my lawn looks like. Uh, well, let's just say it doesn't look like a lawn at the moment. <laughs> it looks like a, a um, well, maybe not a native prairie, but it sure looks like a prairie. I'm sure there's there's some uh, some pheasants and turkeys. There's wildlife hiding in there somewhere. I hope that your neighbors don't have small children because they're probably lost <laughs> in the forest. <laughs> it's it is pretty entertaining. Everybody around me does the um, 
uh, the chemical treatment. There's not a dandelion to the left, to the right, <laughs> uh, across the road. But my my yard is flush with dandelions. I, I, um, I've let it go natural. So You know, it, it go natural right on the side of my head. <laughs> I mean... I've I have been known to go habitat. over. And sp- I have been known to go over and spray my neighbor's yard when she did nothing with it, and the dandelions on the wind always ended up in my yard. <laughs> well, well, it's a good thing we're not neighbors, Captain. You're right. <laughs> uh, by, I'd I'll be l- mowing your yard too. <laughs> well, everything else is growing beyond the dandelions. So we get a little uh, pollinator patch in the background, backyard, and. Uh, Compass plants and the cup plants are shooting Your up. The whole and, yard is a pollinator plant, yeah, man. Lupa, lupine is coming up. Uh, things are things are growing well right now. The garden is will be done by and completely in by the end of the day. So it's tis the season. See, that's where we differ. I tried to grow tomatoes up here one year and it didn't work. Because the wind destroyed it when the northwest wind came in. Mm. And all the work I had uh, preparing some ground and getting it all set to roll, it they it destroyed it. And the, the animals ate everything. And uh, <laughs> it's just easier to go to the farmer's market for this guy. <laughs> yeah, it's been a... I, I, I probably planted my cold weather stuff. Boy, it's it's got to be six weeks ago now. And then I've been um, dodging some of the, you know, we had frost as recently as two weeks ago that I had to cover yeah. up. Um, and I probably could have gotten away with planting the the warm weather, so, you know, the tomatoes, the peppers, the corn, the beans, that sort of thing a couple of weeks ago now. But um, it's all going in today. It'll be done by the end of the day. Well, you, you know, I, I don't, a lot of our, in fact, is this last week I saw, some of the farmers still planting mm-hmm. up here, mm-hmm. and I, I and other ones have had their stuff in for weeks now, but I haven't seen anything really germinate because I haven't been out in the country now for a while, so yeah. it's hard to tell. Corn, corn is coming up. Um, I, I can see it. You know, thumb size that's coming. Um, sorghum. You know, thinking more about food plots than than um, crops. Um, I think the soil temperature needs to get to 60 degrees, so we're finally at that point. So, so um, if you got some wildlife food plots, or you're planning to do that for pheasants or, or or deer, now's now's the time you can get that in the ground. So, yeah. thing, it took a little while to get there, and as evidenced by the distance between when Eric found his first morel to uh, to last week when the yellows pop i mean it's just you just those different varieties it takes so so much time difference between the the temperature um i mean you guys have been eating morels the little gray ones that's kind of been six weeks ago now too doesn't it yeah yeah although it's so dry up here we found one right out uh in the uh, on the edge of the woods, a little yellow coming up, and letting it grow, it shriveled up. It was so mm. dry, mm. and you know I was going to go out into the woods and start looking again, but we need rain desperately, I think, in order for it to happen. Yeah, well, we it, but, we got uh, we got good soakers here, and I know they got 
fair amount of rain down um, southern Minnesota, but it missed you. That's yeah, it did. It, it, it we started out okay, and I was kind of, you know, there's not a lot to do when it rains up here with a puppy and an older dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it didn't amount to anything. It lasted for maybe an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't even bother wetting the bottom of the rain gauge. So, uh, anyway. Um, if the the difference in the lake, Bob, with the number of people on it is amazing. Mm-hmm. There had to be 200, 200 plus boats on the water last weekend on Saturday, and I've seen one so far. <laughs> you didn't tell them your secret. Now, are, they, I, are people haven't been following your Twitter account to see all the fish you're catching? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, all day, okay. all week long, I get photos of a live well. Uh, as I go into a new Zoom meeting, I just get more and more photos. It uh, it's it's been you know it's been a it's been a good week. I'll yeah, just okay. leave it at that. There you go. I I'm not gonna let you hem and haw on this. You are just hammering them. You're having a great opening week. You know, and we have been having a lot of success. And to that. We'll be talking with Denny Fletcher, who is actually the reason that I've been turned on to walleye fishing too. Um, but it uh, the bite changes every single day, hmm. and it's amazing to me too. Um, it changed again yesterday, and I I'm uh, I I don't know if I'm figuring some things out or if I'm just blind luck and a squirrel. I and, think you're figuring some things out, Captain. And as much as you like uh, Fletcher's bait, uh, it, it, you know, I put I put a brassy, brassy shiner on my rod. I don't think I catch as many as you do. I, you know, and I, one of the things that I will, and we have to take a break. One of the things I will attribute to success that both Eric and I are having are uh, is to bass fishing, mm. because the touch that you have. Fishing a let's say a jig worm mm-hmm. with with large and smallmouth bass. The feel the the you get used to it's almost a habit watching line, mm-hmm. and those are the things that I think make all the difference in the world. I looked at at three men who were fishing a place I wanted to fish, and I stayed off it and spot locked with the Minkota off it. And fished and didn't catch anything, and they were yapping the whole time and casting and reeling, and then they trolled back and forth a couple times, and that with nothing, and they got in there, and then or they got bored and left, and I just drifted across it, and again spot locked up on a place that I could see fish on the electronics and hummingbird stuff, and I, I proceeded to catch them, hmm. and it's it's amazing. But the bite, it was so subtle that you had to pay attention. And if I would have been having a great conversation, empower to them because that's what they're out there. They're, they're there to have a good time, and I think they were having a blast. <laughs> and I didn't have anybody to talk to. It was just me, other than sending you pictures. <laughs> well, thank you for that. <laughs> but anyway, we will talk with with uh, Danny a little bit later in the program. Following this break, we're going to jump back on the phone with Mr. Jeff Anderson, Jeff Jiggy Anderson, and talk with him about what's going on on the bodies of water that he's been frequenting. 
And I know that one of the last times, or a year ago when we had Jeff on, I learned something that I'm taking to heart right now, too. And that was the the importance of his electronics. Uh, and then we'll visit with Tackle also. I'm not sure if he's on the water. I imagine he's on the river. I mean, one of the main reasons he spends so much time on the river is that he has a place down on Pepin. Mm. And it's his cabin down there, so that's one of the reasons that he spends time, just like I do up here in central Minnesota. So that being said, let's take our first break of the morning, and we will come back and talk with Jeff Anderson, Jeff Jiggy Anderson. Uh, we'll have some fish talk with Jeff next. On- the end of fan. Seventeen minutes after the hour, eighteen minutes after the hour of six o'clock on a Saturday morning, the twenty-second of May. Fan Outdoors coming your way until the eight o'clock hour. Delighted to be here, also by the way. Bob Saint Pierre in studio in the big chair. If you'd like to send an email to the show, booth at kfan.com, the Bradshaw and Bryant inbox does so. So let's welcome into the conversation our next guest. He's a man who has been on this show a number of times because, well, because he's he's an outdoor guy and he really knows his stuff and he shares it willingly with our listeners and yours truly also, Mr. Jeff Anderson, Jeff Jiggy Anderson, joins us right now. Jeff, good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, boys. How's it going? Well, it's early in the day, Jeff, but so far so good. Uh, and uh, are you fishing today? Uh, you know, I'm actually have a day off. I've been fishing every single day since opener, so I'm doing some boat maintenance, and I have a I have a hockey game in Duluth I got to make, so I'm going to enjoy a day off. Jeff, when you're on the water every single day. Changes that occur sometimes slip by people, but have you seen bite changes and fish changes this past week? Oh, absolutely. You know, we are so far ahead of schedule that we are, you know, we're actually looking at putting away the, the jigging rods, the shiner rods on leech, and we're we're talking about, you know, the crawler the crawler leech bite, the rigging bite has, uh, has already begun, and it's uh it started out you know the weed shallow 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 weed bite was really good and it was like a a little switch flipped we got you know that 80 degree weather and the 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 flats you know they really lit up and and fishing was good it was fun to you know it's fun to adapt out on the water and you, you know as anglers you can get really really stuck in fishing what was good yesterday and it can really mm-hmm. have an effect on your decision making on the water and you know it's uh you got to be able to adapt to that and you got to be able to walk away from from that bite that was good yesterday and if it's not happening uh and go find a new one how, how long do you give it jeff before you decide uh this isn't this isn't going on right now i gotta i gotta make some changes well, you can tell pretty fast usually. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a thing where you you know I'm kind of a bullheaded type of of <laughs> angler where where if I think they're there and I'm going to get them to bite, and I think that comes from musky fishing for so many years. And, you know, and of course we're talking walleye fishing right now, and um, I, I'm willing to give it give it a fair shake. But 
it, it is it is pretty funny once you land on on that pot or once it's right you know yeah it, it doesn't take long that the fish are there to feed and and when they're when they're feeding it's it, you know right away that uh switch from a a jig to a rig what's the depth that the the fish have changed well you know it's it, we're, there's a there's a pretty good bug hatch on leech already, and and I haven't seen it like that, you know, on fishing opener for I don't know if I've ever seen it, and and usually when you see those big fish flies, and you know I'm not a I'm not a bug scientist, so I don't know all the names of all the bugs, but you know they're not mayflies, but they're those small little fish flies, and they were everywhere when it was flat calm, and and so usually that's a sign that. You need to get the the night crawler rods out, and yeah. you know they're they're still biting. They're still biting a jig and a shiner, um, but it is going to be full on crawler bite here in in the next, you know, I would say day or so. Our guest is Mr. Jeff Anderson, and uh, who is a professional guide also, um, and we're talking fishing with him. Jeff, if, do you ever watch? kind of eye up people and know that, let's say they're on a place that you're figuring you're going to fish, like it happened to me yesterday, and I just kind of watched a, a boat of people, and I, I saw them, what they were doing and decided, I don't think they're going to catch them, and they didn't get a bite, and I had, I couldn't stand it. I had to, when they left it, I had to drift over it and try myself, and sure enough, the fish were still there. Yeah, of course, that's a strategy. Leech is uh, a famous lake. Um, and anywhere, you know, a lot of the lakes that we fish are, are have lots of fishing pressure in their strategy to timing and, and when you fish a spot and when you don't. And it's, uh, it, if, if you know that there's a, you know, a pot of fish sitting on a little piece of cabbage and there's a lot of boats around and you go up and you, you start catching them, you're going to attract attention. People are out there. They want to catch fish and they're going to, they're going to come fish by you. But if you drive by and you go fish three other spots that are somewhat close and then those other boats vacate the area, you can go back and, and catch those fish. And of course, timing is right. If, you know, if, if, uh, you know, the wind is blowing and then all of a sudden it goes flat calm, then maybe you miss that opportunity. But, I always try to zig when everybody's zigging. I, uh, I, I, I chuckle on leech. You know, I have some, some of my fishing clients that I have fished for, for so many years. We, we always laugh, you know, if we get, you know, our limit of fish and, you know, we're like, all right, let's go have some fun and we'll go fishing in the crowds. And it's, it, it's always fun to go do that because the energy is great and it just makes it more of a challenge to fish, um, just because there, there's so many other boats in, in the area. So, uh, yeah. To answer your question, I yes, I, I I have seen boats fish a spot. And that doesn't stop me from fishing it. I just try to wait till they they leave, and then then yeah. I would then I would come in there and try to play clean up. I, and most of the time, I think that we share this thought. I, I try to find my own fish by myself. I hate fishing in a crowd, especially if I'm the one attracting it. Then I, I usually will get up and move. Yeah, no, I don't like to be in the crowds either. I, I we do we do it for a little chuckle every now and then, you know, to, to have fun and um, you know enjoy the energy of fishing, especially during fishing opener. It's a it's a it's a fun time. Everybody's excited, and you're, you you got to expect to have some boats. But I I you know I spent my career um, you know going and finding finding stuff that that is 
you know, way off the wall. And as a fishing guide, it's, that those type of spots really pay huge dividends when, you know, the bite's tough or the, the, the boat traffic is, is up and, you know, you put, you put 50 boats on Pine Point, which is a great fishing location, but, boy, you can only catch, you know, it, it makes it much more of a challenge when you have that many boats on there. So you gotta have those little, those little, uh, aces up the sleeve to, to get, you know, get, then to get the job done during the day because if, you know, the, to, to go out there and catch them every day is, it's a challenging, stressful thing at times. You know, this time of the year is, is fun because the fishing is so good, but holy buckets, once you hit some of those summer doldrums, it, it's a, it's a stressful job, you know. Well, you made your name for yourself, um, primarily getting, getting going with muskies. We're um, two weeks out from the muskie opener. What's the uh, what's the energy level and enthusiasm for muskie season coming? Are you, are you booking a lot of trips? Is there a lot of people interested in getting out chasing muskies this summer? Yeah, we are. Um, you know, our guide group, Leisure Outdoor Adventures, we are busier than ever. Uh, you know, I think that has a lot to do with, you know, the Canadian border being closed. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of people are looking for fun adventures here in Minnesota, and I think they're good. You know, I think they want to experience, you know, a lot of the fishing that we have here. They're uh, they're going to stay, and, and it's good. And, and yes, the muskie fishing is going to be is going to be good early. Um, like I said, we're we're so far ahead of schedule that usually it's about the the you know first part of July when when those muskies are really shallow and they that would they make that move shallow after the spawn and. Their metabolism is up because their water temps are up to that, you know, 74-ish degree water temp. And, you know, and that's, uh, that's where we're going to be at. So I, I predict that musky fishing is going to be, going to be way better than it has, you know, on that, on that opening time. Hmm. Do you, when it, when it comes to muskies, Jeff, do you have favorite haunts you go to or can muskies, do you look, can you look for muskies just, and go out and find them like you do walleyes. Oh, that I, that that always brings back memories of when I was a a young boy, and I'd just be on the lake all day, and and I you'd get a day like you know um, the last before the wind blew the last couple of days where it was flat, calm, and sunny, and I'd put my my polarized sunglasses on, and I would I would just put the the boat in gear. I just this little bowl, put it in gear, and have the trolling motor. Um, between my legs and I would steer the trolling motor and I would go and I would drive and I would look at these spots and I would study every rock and I would study every little piece of cabbage and, um, and I would see so many muskies and walleye swimming up on these spots and it's, it, it, what you can learn is so invaluable. It, it, with looking at your, with your human eye because you, you realize and, you understand how fish set up, especially muskies, how fish set up on specific structure. Um, and then what that's allowed me to do over the years is, is be, being able to replicate and kind of, kind of use the side imaging now and, and envision how the fish set up on these spots. And that makes a big difference when the wind is from the uh, southeast direction and there's a, a boulder pile that runs, you know, north and south. And then right on the south tip of the boulder pile, pile there, or boulder strip there's a there's four pieces of cabbage that sit there and you know it's amazing how specific it can be and um i've been really known to to be able to call the cast musky fishing with with my clients where they where they just 
you know, they're they're blown away of that, okay, this is where you're going to get the bite. And all of a sudden you get the bite after three hours of casting and, you know, nothing. So, And I say it a lot and it doesn't work, but <laughs> motivation. But, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a good, it's such a good way to learn. And, and, I, and I still do it. I still do it. But, you know, with side imaging now, I, I can I can be much more efficient, um, you know, understanding structure and, Yes, uh, the side imaging marks marks the fish. But if if there's young anglers or, or 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 anglers that haven't done this out there, yeah, I would recommend doing that. You get a flat, calm, sunny day. The fish aren't biting. It's 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 kind of water stale. You know, there's not much activity. Put the put your glasses on and go drive and go look at go look at the structure. It is so fun. Hmm. And that I think that's true with a lot of things, Jeff. If, and I do it hunting too, but especially fishing. Just like you say, to to get to get that the uh, I don't know if it's oriented or get used to or or whatever it is. But there's there's something about being on the water a great deal of time, and that makes all the difference. I I totally agree with you. I think that you just you, you get in tune you get in tune with with the lake and you know I, I I'm blessed you know to go fish Lake of the Woods for muskies a lot and it is such a world class fishery and I always talk about you know some of the people that I fish with my friends and um, I just like I need to get in tune with the lake and and the only way to really do that is just by being on being on the lake and 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 enjoying it and really paying attention to the nuance of of what's going on. You know, I talk about the bug hatch, you know, with, with the lake, and I talk about the current and the water levels and, you know, the water clarity. You know, those type of things all all pay, have a factor in, in fish location. And, you know, if the, the water's cleaner, we haven't had a really big blow on, you know, those really shallow four, walleyes that are in four feet and it's flat, calm, and sunny are tough to catch unless there's weeds, you know. So those, you, you make your decisions based on, on you know, the nuance of of the lake and what's what's going on. So, yeah, getting in tune with the lake is, is uh, it helps your instincts. And your instincts only get stronger the more time you spend doing it. Got a couple of quick questions via the Bradshaw and Brian inbox for you, Jeff. Uh, first one comes in from Dave, and we, we've we've talked about this over time, but I don't know that we've ever asked you. Um, question from Dave is: Is there a connection between the hatcheries where the uh, fry are raised and where you find walleye out on the lake? That's an interesting concept. And so you look at Red Lake, and you look at you know, Leech Lake when they stocked it, you know, really, really stocked it ten years ago, and those uh, those those fish, you know, just seemed to be ultra shallow all the time. And and I I don't know I don't know if if there's a correlation to to that or not, but I my guess would be yes. I, you know, like like the muskies on Lake Bemidji, I can talk about those growing up. You know, when I was 16 years old, those we would see packs of 10 to 15 muskies swimming in, in, in packs up in the shallow water while we were walleye fishing in the spring, you know, and you don't see that very often in the natural lakes, like Leech Lake, you don't see the, the packs swimming, um, you know, so, so yeah, I, I do think that there's probably a correlation. I, uh, it'd be interesting to hear what, what the, the, the fish biologists and 
scientists have to say about that, but it seems like there is. And one one more quick question via Ron, and, and we touched on this as well early in the conversation. Uh, he, he says, I always find myself saying, quote-unquote, I never gave that enough of a chance. Is there a time limit that you put on trying a new spot, or are you purely instinct-driven by when to change a location and when to change a tactic? Yeah, I think it's instinct. You gotta, you gotta trust your instinct and be able to, be able to drive away from it. Um, we can get stuck and, uh, if it's not working, you just have to be willing to adapt. And, you know, you, you, you see that the, there's the different theories with like tournament anglers. Um, the turn, some of the best tournament anglers are willing to sit on a spot. But I think that those type of bites, you know, you're fishing for, for bites that are going to beat, you know, 150 anglers and you're looking for, you know, five to eight bites, Mm -hmm. you know, they're willing to sit on those really special fish. I think for us, you know, um, the action and the quantity and it's, uh, you have to be able to, to, to walk away from, from those fish. And then of course you have the saying, don't leave fish to go find fish, but really it's, it's conditional based. You know, I talked about leech lake fishing opener, and several days following fishing opener, we had flat, calm, and sunny days. And the flat bite was not good. Um, it was it was good for about two hours on Saturday morning when the wind was blowing. Then the wind calmed down, and and uh, the flats really got got to be challenged. So you got to go find some weeds. You get that that is where you can catch leech lake walleyes um, early early in the year um, when it's flat, calm, and sunny is in the weeds. And then when the wind blew out of the south, all the spots that we fished, um, you know, like Goose Flats and all those spots, you know, the famous hardwood spots and Duck and Otter Tail and Ivans and, you know, all those spots that were really challenging to catch fish. As soon as the wind came from the south and we had some clouds, it was, it was game. We made one pass on one of those spots I just mentioned, and we had eight, eight keepers and, and had to release two or three, I don't remember, uh, bigger fish. And mm. it was a spot where we, we fished earlier um, in the trip, and it was flat common. There was, there was no, we didn't catch one, you know. So really, again, dive into the conditions, dive into everything, and make your decisions uh, based on, on all, that, all that information that your great fishing mind is, is uh, you know, dying in and collaborating and go catch them. Jeff, uh, how can people get in touch with Leisure Outdoors? Uh, LeisureOutdoorAdventures.com. You know, we just uh, we just implemented a, a brand new online booking system. It's been a fun adventure, <laughs> winter adventure for us. But it was uh, it's 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 been fun for us to be able to bring that to our company. And we have we have really a great group of group of guides. You know, we're filming our third season of The Guide Life. That's on our YouTube channel. It is a it's a great thing. If you you ever want to know, you know the the daily walk of a fishing guide, it's a it's a great great like uh, story piece, uh, piece on each of our fishing guides, and it talks. We share a lot of fishing tactics, and you know our group. We're on Lake Vermilion. We're we're on Winnebagosh. We're on Mille Lacs. We have just a fabulous group of, of fishermen and and great great people too. So I'm very proud of them. 
Jeff, I thank you for your time, my friend, and your also your knowledge, and look forward to another conversation yet. Can't wait to do it again, boys. Thank you. That's Jeff Anderson, and uh, you might want to get in touch with him. I have a feeling that he and some of his guides you could learn a lot from. I know I could. So we'll take a pause and be back from another man I learn a lot from, and that would be Mr. Danny Fletcher of Fletcher's Bait and Tackle. Ever wonder how come the uh, spot tails were hard to come by or s people were so worried about it? I know the answer, and we'll ask him that and much more right after this on Fan On the Fan. Well, I think it was about four years ago that I went into Fletcher's Bait and Tackle and talked with the owner, Mr. Denny Fletcher, who I've known for a long, long time. And uh, I was just kind of there shooting the breeze, and he said, are you after some walleyes? I said, no, I don't know anything about walleyes. He said, here's what you do. He gave me a half a dozen spot tails, I think, and he said, use a little hook and put a split shot about, oh, about this far up the line and troll it real slow behind the boat. He says, up on Diamond Point, right off Diamond Point, he says, you'll catch some fish. And that was the beginning of my walleye fishing. So he was responsible for what he's turned me into <laughs> now. And uh, it's been a great ride and a really a whole bunch of fun. And I learn something every time I go out now. So I invited him to join us from his shop that is probably the busiest place in central Minnesota. And I know that going into the opener last week, he had a lot of concern because said spot tails he had none of. And there was really a lot of worry about that on their part. Denny, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Bill. Yeah, we're doing fine. That's good. Well, okay, the spot tails, you have spot tails, right? Well, we got lucky. They came in Thursday night at 10 o'clock. The run started, so we, we, we made it by the skin of our teeth. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 the, what triggered that particular spot tail run, as you said, and I think they're going to spawn, if I'm not mistaken? Well, that's correct, Bill. 58 degrees is the magic water temperature number. And we were, as everybody knows, a cold spring. We were just struggling to get there, and we didn't get there and didn't get there. And we went, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And just we had that two, three warm days in a row with full sun, and that did it. It brought it up to 50, 58, 59, and here they came. Huh. Well, People, if they don't know it, I mean, you raise an awful lot of your minnows, but spot tails are wild minnows that have to be trapped, correct? That's correct. Spot tails, and, 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 and to some degree, some, some, some chubs in the late summer and fall, wild creek chubs and red tails, is the only thing that we sell that we don't raise. So Mother Nature has a lot of control over when we can harvest them, and when we harvest them when the water temperature is there. And, yeah, so we're kind of at the mercy of Mother Nature a little bit. And one of the things, when I stopped in last week, and, and Sean and, and uh, the boys had just come back with getting spot tails, and you had them in a tank, and you were sorting through them, and it was almost like 
you knew exactly where things were and what was, and you were sorting th- this out and that out, and that's, and then and then they ended up with just spot tails and a net. Uh, but there were other things along, other minerals along with it too, weren't there, Danny? Yeah, depending on where you get your spot tails, there's, there's other other uh, types of minerals, and, and, and to some degree, some small juvenile fish that are that are mixed in. And we're getting ours out of Sock River here, so we have we have some small perch, some small sunfish. We have a, a little minnow called, and most people have never seen them called the log perch. And hmm. we had a pile of them, so sucker minnows were coming up with them. So you have to sort that out. When a customer comes in, wants a dozen, 15 spot tails. They want 15 spot tails. They don't want 12 spot tails. And half a dozen of the other junk minnows mixed in. So you have to hand-pick them out, yep. And th- there were some other shiners that I thought you had, too. Yeah, we had some, some, some brassy shiners were mixed in with them. Some emerald shiners are mixed with them. Some pearl shiners are mixed with them. And usually the smaller shiners you can grade out, and we grade them back into the creek, but sometimes there's some individuals that grow up to be a little bit bigger. They're females full of full of eggs, and they won't go through that. 1864th grader that we use, so you end up having to pick them out also. Explain grader to the audience, Danny. We have several grader sizes that when we bring in a load of minnows, uh, like fatheads and crappie minnows, for example, a crappie minnow is nothing but a juvenile fathead, so the crappie minnow size will go through it's called the 1864th grader. It's a bar grader. It's about two feet by three feet square feet. And you put the minnows in there, and by, by 1864th, is, that means it's 18th, 64th of an inch wide between the bars. So the small minnows will go through, and the big minnows will stay on top. And if you use sucker minnows, then you go to a 33 or a, or, or a 36, 64th inch. So the, bar grade, the, the, the width of the bars depends on what type of a minnow that you're actually grading out. And with the in the shop, I know that you would uh, were entertaining phone calls constantly. Do we ha- do you have spot tails? What do you have? There's, or do you have that? Has that slowed down at all a week into the season? Not one bit. We are still inundated by by phone calls. I, I and I'm not sure exactly at this point why that's happening, but apparently their spot tails aren't being sold everywhere and. It's 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 not just the spot tail. It's 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 three different calls we get. Do you have spot tails? Do you have your brassy shiners? And do you have rainbow chubs? Those are the three calls that we we've been getting. And I think we're averaging a phone call during the day about once every ten minutes. So it, it, it's quite a bunch of them. And I think I was one of the responsible <laughs> ones for brassy shiners. I'm calling all the time, wondering if he still got those. Yep. Uh, when and, when folks come. In for the second time, how willing are they to to tell you what's working, what's not working? Are they keeping their head down, buying another batch of minnows, and and trying not to spread word of what's what's being successful? Most most of the customers, I'd say probably eighty percent of our customers are free willing. They actually want to talk to you about how how especially if they've had success. Mm. Man, we did really good on the spot tills yesterday, and we were up in Sock Lake or Lake Osakis doing such and such. And the most most of the people are, uh, especially in the spring and summertime. Now, when you get into the winter months, mm-hmm. that's a whole different ball game. Hmm. Everything huh. is hush hush. We don't want anybody by our fish house. Tell people to stay away. 
<laughs> All right. So, so the eighty percent of folks that have been sharing uh, success with you, what's what's the secret so far? One weekend. Well, it's funny that we're sitting here talking to talking to Bill, and I think pretty soon they're going to t- change his name from Captain Bill to Walleye Bill because he, he's been out there out there fishing a lot. And, 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 and I get half my Sock Lake information from Billy. Comes in, I say, "Well, what's what's working?" <laughs> so basically, he, he's taking spot tails that are, are brassy. Bill likes his brassy uh-huh. They they work really well, and he's been taking them up in the north end of the lake and putting them on a jig. And fishing the sand flats up by Diamond Point and that three to eight feet of water and and uh that's that's what's been the success story up on Sock Lake and it's been very, very good. Hmm. See and I wasn't gonna tell anybody <laughs> <know>. either. <laughs> <laughs> three to eight feet. I mean that is so shallow. Sock Lake has become a shallow walleye lake in the last several years and I'm not quite sure why that is. When the water gets a little bit warmer here, say towards that 68 to 70 degrees, they will go somewhat deeper. But early in the spring and then in the fall when the water cools back down, it's always been a shallow bite. Hmm. In comparison to that, Lake Oseka has been a very good bite up there. And all of those fish are in 28 to 35 feet of water. They have been since opening weekend. And that's something that I do not understand what they're doing out in that deep water. They should be shallow, but they're not. So every lake is different. Mm-hmm. And, and both of Billy's sons are texting me to to keep it quiet now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm getting the same ones, guys. I'm sorry. You do. You have had a lot of success with the brassies. Have you been even trying the spot tails, Captain? I tried one, but I, you know I, we talk about confidence so much on this. Mm-hmm. I, I had I have some spot tails, and I keep. I maybe I don't give them a chance, but they don't work as good. <laughs> I don't know. What, what about leeches? Have you tried leeches so far this season? I have, I have, and I haven't caught anything on them. Although Denny, I saw a man right in front of our place yesterday. He caught uh, a nice fish right off the drop-off on leeches. He was dragging them because I was watching pretty close. Um, and I'm that's one of the first ones I've seen. What do you hear in the shop about leeches? They're starting to catch some fish on leeches. That, that water, in, we, we always talk about water temperature, and it's, it's just critical. And when water hits about 62 to 64, then the leeches start to become uh, become a popular bait and the spot tails and the and the brassies will still be the most popular bait through labor day or excuse me through uh memorial weekend but the the leeches are going to come on strong here this next week denny can you hold through a pause and we'll get back to you sure is kathy doesn't mind working the store a little bit longer does she i've got no up oh good deal Well, tell Noah hello, and we'll be uh, right back with more with Denny Fletcher of Fletcher's Bait and Tackle in Sock Center. We'll also tell you, if you don't know how to find it, how you can find it before we finish our conversation. But we'll have more with Denny Fletcher right after. minute after the hour of 7 o'clock, Fan Outdoors coming your way for another hour. Bob St. Pierre in studio in the big chair. Billy Hildebrand here on location as I am wont to be looking out at 
Sock Lake through the uh, front of the porch windows, all six of them. And the boats are going up the lake, but not like last week. And our guest, Mr. Denny Fletcher of Fletcher's Bait and Tackle in Sock Center, Minnesota, where he uh, we're talking with him about bait and. Denny, as as we talk about spot tails and as popular as they were last weekend and people absolutely had to have them and this, that, and the other thing, how long will you have spot tails? Is the run uh, that run ongoing or is it uh, taming down now? Uh, right now it's still going strong. The spot tail run lasts according to how long the water temperature stays right for them. And that's that 58 to about 64, 65 degree range. So right now they're really, they haven't actually laid any eggs yet, but they're still coming up in pre- preparation for that. But today and tomorrow with these warm temperatures, they'll, they'll, they'll really start laying. And the reason they work is, is they do, they do everything shallow watery. Whether they come up the river or they're on the lake shore, they'll come up right up underneath your dock. So that's why these walleyes will come into these shallow waters and that three to six feet of water. And they're there to eat spot tails. So it just won't make sense that you use a spot tail shiner to catch the walleyes that, because that's what they're there eating. And, and, Daddy, with the spawn, do they go up there? They don't guard a nest like a, a sunfish or a bass, do they? No, they they go up there in the rapids and the, the little rock rubble, and they, they broadcast their eggs all over the place and, and uh, in the shallow water. They, they, if they're if they're not not in the, some some lakes don't have creeks or rivers that come in so they'll go up to a a shoreline that has some r- r- sand or, or rabble where they can lay their eggs and and uh, especially where there's some wave action so that's where they it'll it all always happens in about that one two three feet of water. Well, and they have once they hatch they've got to be almost microscopic, are they not? Yeah, they look like a. a the, the, I see our, our sucker fry all hatched last night in our hatchery building, and they look like a like a mosquito without wings. It's just a, a black little line with two eyeballs, and the spot tail shiner is actually even smaller than that. You you can hardly even see them. Uh, interesting. Um, well, then the current must wash them back down into the lake. Generally speaking, yeah, they'll they'll end up back in the lake, and you know Mother Nature has uh, has a way of of uh, taking care of itself and. For the millions and millions of them that 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 get that get hatched, there's not a lot of them that grow up to be an adult because the the, the perch and everything eats eats these small small spot tail shiner fry. So they really get consumed by perch and walleyes and sunfish and what have you. Most of the walleyes in this lake are are spot are, are stocked, but I'm told by fisheries people that there is getting to be some natural reproduction on this body of water. Would you agree with that? Yes, you know. As a matter of fact, I talked to Eric uh, Alton, Alton over at Little Falls Fisheries last week. He was over and he had to collect our spot tail samples and send them in to have them tested and for VHS in Sock Lake and. I asked him about that, and he said, "You know, he said last year, as everybody knows, we we, we didn't we didn't uh, stock any walleyes, but he said we did electrofishing last fall, and he said we were surprised. He said we had a lot of walleye, natural walleye reproduction on Sock Lake, so he said we've got a fair amount going on, and he was happy to see that, and who wouldn't be? Well, yeah, 
Uh, when it comes to electrofishing, Danny, do you know how that works? Because so, we watched, Eric and I watched a, a, a team out on Ferry Lake this last week, and they were electrofishing. Do they, do they discard all the fish that they catch, or do they come back? Yeah, they all come back. They they generally do it at night for the walleyes because the walleyes are, will really be up in the shallows in the evening. And, uh, yeah, they, they, it just stuns these fish just temporarily, and they do a count, and and uh, within a couple minutes the fish comes back around, and they're, they're, they're unharmed. Interesting. Are you, with... Go ahead, Bob. Uh, well, I'm I'm curious. Um, you know, we talked a fair amount of, about sock, but what's the fishing report um, around the area? What are you hearing up in in Alexandria and uh, Osakis and Minnewaska? Are there crappies to be had? Are the walleye bat biting all around, or is, or is Billy of the market cornered? Uh, the crappie bite. The crappies are either done spawning; they've just finished, depending on the lake. Mm. Or they're still on their beds. And the, the crappie bite this last week in the shallow, I'm talking two to four feet of water, has mm. been really, really good. I had some people over on Big Birch Lake the other day, and they could actually see them because Big Birch Lake is just gin clear. And they were catching pound, pound and a half to two pound crappies, one right after mm. another. And so the crappie bite on all of our, on all of our lakes is really good right now. Lake Osakis has been a surprising good walleye lake this spring. Uh, it, like I said earlier, it's a deeper water, but they're catching lots of them. And I had people up on Lake Ida, north of, of Alexandria, and they got into the crappies up on that Christopherson's Bay, and they, they had a blast up there. So the bite right now is is very good for crappies and walleyes, and it's only going to get better this next week. Hmm. And with the crappie spawn, too, Danny, that's early again, isn't that? I think it's probably right about on cue the, okay. sun, the the sunfish bite this spring has been for whatever reason has been a little disappointing they're starting to catch a few sunnies and bluegills right now but the sunfish bite has been lagging behind for some reason i'm, I'm sure you know it has to do with that water temperature not coming up this spring as, as fast as normal I, I the only reason i i ask is i remember we Eric and Chad and I were going to go out to Birch Lake to fish crappies on Memorial Weekend, and my motor wouldn't start, and that raised heck with it. But I knew that was Memorial Weekend because we were so disappointed and wanted to get out to try and catch them. Right. The the, the report I got from uh, Brad, Brad Cummer was in a local fisherman. He was actually up there uh, fishing for smallmouth, just pre-fishing smallmouth, and he said, saw these with an inlet with where Fish Creek comes into Big Birch Lake, and he said the big slab crappies, he said the big black ones, he said you could see them everywhere. So he said I pitched I pitched uh, some plastics at at them, and he said I caught a dozen fish. And he said half of them are two pounds. Hmm. My he goodness said the strange gracious. thing that he said is there was actually walleyes mixed in with them up in that shallow water. So he said I didn't feel like I wanted to keep any of them big crappies here spawning. So. He he did the conservation thing, but he said I did bring home my limited walleyes also. <laughs> How long would it take for a crappie to grow to about two pounds? Oh my goodness, that depends on the lake. But I'm thinking I'm I'm going I'm going to take a stab at six or seven years. Okay, but these the, the walleyes out on Sock Lake that are there's a bunch of them about twelve to fourteen inches. How old would those be? 
those are only two years old. Sock Lake has is a very fertile fishery, and the, the fish grow really fast out here. Huh, interesting. So most of the people that come into the store, are they? is there a, a destination they have in mind, or is it really hard to, to peg? You know, I... I've got a, I've got a question. When depending on what they're buying, if, if the guy and most of our customers now are walleye fishermen, and they come in if they're buying 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 the, the walleye baits, I ask them. I said, "Where are we off to today?" And ninety percent of them will tell me where they're off to, and it's amazing the answers I get. It's anywhere from Sock Lake to Birch Lake to Osakis to the lakes up up around the Alexandria area. I get a lot of people that have stopped in here getting bait, and they're going up to the Park Rapids area hmm. and up to the Brainerd area, and uh, they're going all over the place, and they're stopping here to get these brassy shiners and rainbows, and, and uh, it's it's a wonderful thing. Has the... Is... Sorry, Kat. Our guest is Denny Fletcher with Fletcher's Bait and Tackle on Sock Center. Bob, go ahead. Well, I, I, you know, it, it would feel like that the bait business has changed um in the last few years um because when i think about buying bait historically you buy kind of close to where you're going to go fishing and with the advent of all these aerated coolers you know you buy bait and you know they bring it up to park rapids bring it up to lake of the woods is that my perception or is that reality like people are stopping in and, and taking it and keeping it alive for longer than ever before you're partly right in that the Ingle cooler and, and Frable's got one out now too. They're all great coolers. They can keep their bait longer in those coolers than ever before. Up until that, we we, we were selling an awful lot of bait and put it in an oxygen bags. Mm-hmm. People could go wherever they wanted to go. But once they took it out of them oxygen bags, they were limited somewhat into how long they could keep this stuff alive. Whereas with these bait, with these Ingle and Frable coolers now. If they change water on these things a little bit, and if they got access to well water or lake water, they can almost keep this bait indefinitely. It's a, it's a, it's a really good way to keep your minnows alive. Denny, I know that, and you got some angles at the store too. If people don't know what they are, they can pick one up at Fletcher's Bait. Also, can they not? You bet. We sold a lot of them this year. Angle coolers are they're they're an, they're an expensive minnow bucket, but it's the best minnow bucket I've ever seen. With the and they got a large capacity. There's anywhere from eight quart up to four gallon ones, and and uh, you can you can put up to ten dozen minnows in there. You, like I said, you can keep these minnows indefinitely, and it's uh, they're they're selling really well. I I anticipate every every fisherman who doesn't have one will be buying one because they work that well. And sometimes I wonder, and I know you can't remove or I can't, what is it? You can't travel with water in a boat. You're supposed to dump your bait out on the shore. But I I would hope that the law will catch up with technology because I don't think I've ever put lake water in my angle coolers when I'm on the lake when I leave. Right. And, you know, I've had... You got me a little bit stumped here on this one, Bill, and I've had a lot of people ask me that now. If I take your water and I go out to the lake and we're fishing for two hours, we've got a bunch of bait left, I've still got your water in there. It's gin clear. You can tell. If I go to the access, am I going to have, have trouble if there's a CO there? I don't know how to answer that. 
Yeah, it depends on the CO. Yeah, the, the, the law the law reads you're supposed to dump all that water out and correct. discard your minerals. Well, you're, you're not going to discard $50 worth of shiner minerals. <laughs> I agree with you. That's so, what I said. The law needs to catch up. Yeah, that that's that's a... Uh, that's that. That's one that they're going to have to figure that out and make and make some changes there. Yeah, or they can just stop by my dock and drop them off on the dock, and I'll take care of them for you and use them too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's what I do. I drop my angle coolers off at the dock before I load the boat, so there's nothing in the in the boat as far as water goes. Uh, Denny, when when people are going to keep them alive, you mentioned that you keep them indefinitely. When we're talking leeches and crawlers and those kinds of things, wh what do people have to do to take care of those? Leeches is the one that is probably the easiest up until when after they've laid their pods, and then then they then they don't live very good. But if you buy a pound of large leeches now. And you put them in an eight-quart styrofoam or any styrofoam container that breathes oxygen. You put them in there with cold water, a couple ice cubes if you happen to have them. It's not necessary, but it, it, it helps. And change that water every couple of days with, with cool well water. You can keep leeches almost all summer long. I've had people do it. As far as night crawlers, put them in, put them in this buzz bedding. Put them in a little styrofoam bucket or a styrofoam container, and you can keep night crawlers up until until you've used them up. Interesting, Denny. How can people find us? Find you when they uh, if they're looking for bait and they're heading out. You come up come up the interstate or Highway 71. Take the Sock Center exit. You go downtown stoplights. You hang a left on Sinclair Lewis Avenue. You go three quarters of a mile. We're on the left. We have a big sign out front with a smiling mermaid. And you'll have a truck. The front yard usually has three or four red bait trucks hanging around, and and uh, you've arrived. And once you're done done here, we can either send you up the U Trail to Park Rapids, going north, or there's the easy access right back onto I-94, going towards Alexandria and Ottertail County. Excellent, sir. Hey, I thank you for uh, getting up early with us. Appreciate the information and and everything that you've done for me, my friend. And and uh, you're open and you'll be in the shop and ready to go, correct? That's right. Yep. Second I hang up the phone, I'm out there. <laughs> okay, mm. Denny. Well, have a good one, sir. Good luck. Good fishing, folks. That's Denny Fletcher. The Fletcher's bait and tackle, and these brassy shiners are the cat's meow. I'm <laughs> absolutely sold on. <laughs> it's too bad they're live bait. We can't put a loyal uh, a Captain uh, Captain Billy logo on them, and uh, create create. And I know you're sold on them. I've been uh, getting texts from you all week on how how enthusiastic you are about the success they brought you. In fact, I, Eric and I were cleaning some fish last week, and we were going to cook ourselves a meal, which is, never happens to me. Usually all my fish go to other parts of the family or uh, friends. and uh, But I had something happen that's never happened to me in my lifetime. I'm not going to share it with you yet, but I guarantee I will share it with both Bob and the listeners, and maybe 
you can do just as Eric is doing now. He's keeping an eye, too. Hmm. So we'll tell you all about that later. But Tackle Terry Tuma is next on Fan Outdoors, so we'll find out what Tackle's been up to. Right. Welcome back to Fan Outdoors. Time again for fishing tips with Tackle Terry Tuma, presented by Clam Outdoors. Well, let's check in with Tackle and find out if he's catching them or if he's thinking about catching them. Tackle, good morning, sir. Good morning to you guys and good morning, everyone. No, I'm not even thinking about well, I'm thinking about catching them, but actually I'm going to the Cans Marine to pick up the Vex's boat this morning. Oh, good for you. So everything is uh, rigged and ready? Yes, it is. All set to go. We're going to do some water testing and learn about a new boat and get it back home and start to organize tackling. You know how that goes, Bill. I do. I do. But you can, you're can. you going to have to break it in first, will you not? Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, and I just get the owner's manual out. Well, that, Lacan's will tell me how, you know, to go about breaking it in. So, But, yes, that's a main criteria. You know, there's a lot of different comments about breaking an uh, outboard in, but the best is to follow the actual manual that the manufacturer has printed. Well, Terry, there can't be much has changed over the years, and I'm sure that you, as I have, have broken a number of engines in the past. Oh yes, yeah, I'm sure it's a, a you know pretty much you know similar. I, I think some of the uh, dealers will say you don't have to quite be so firm on the actual breaking, but you do have to break them in, Bill. Yeah, I, I agree. And then break it. And uh, so, where will the first uh, after testing? Where will the maiden voyage be? I'm, uh, it's going to be something probably fairly local, Bill. Uh, it's going to be depending on the, on the ramps. I've had so many comments about low water, low water at the, at the, uh, especially the local accesses. So even though we had some heavy rains here, that'll be the main criteria. Otherwise, it'll be on the river. And uh, Terry, I was going to go load and I have a drive on trailer on my Ranger, but. I was uh, going to load last night, yesterday afternoon, and the water was so low that by the time I tied the boat to the dock, I the bow of the boat was only in about eight inches of water, and that wouldn't have worked back in to get it deep enough to drive it on. That's exactly right. Well, even though you know we hear so many comments, uh, Bill, about uh, uh, you know even with ro- well, rotor trays are going to be much better than that. No, they aren't. You know, I think so often we have a tendency to make that assumption. Well, rotor trailer is definitely much easier to load than a, a, a bunk trailer, but that's not necessarily uh, the case. You still got to get that boat backed in so you can still drive on a rotor trailer. So it's just not. Uh, it might be a speck easier, but it's not going to solve that issue. And you're right. In fact, I spoke to someone the other day, and he said he uh, wants to put his uh, boat slip in, and but two feet of water is the a minimum that he can put that slip in, and it's at two feet right now, so he doesn't think he's going to be putting it in. Yeah, I mean, that happens. It's uh, the water's are going down, and if we don't get rain, it'll be... Uh, of course, we don't need enough rain that the dock floats away again, Terry. No, that's right. We're never happy, right, Bill? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> it's either hey, too much next or not week, enough. But I'll take too much rain than no rain at all. No, I, I agree with you. Um, next weekend begins the real legal season of bass fishing. Will you be bass fishing, Terry? 
Oh, no question about it, Bill. I'm just chomping at the bit. I got everything all set to go and just got to, like I said, reload the boat, of course. But, yes, I'm definitely going to be bass fishing. And uh, I'm assuming you'll be on the river. I'm not 100% sure. I haven't decided yet, Bill, if I can get a, uh, the boat in some of the more, uh, a better public access, you know, where it's deep enough, I'll probably have a tendency to fish uh, some local, but otherwise it will definitely be the river, and that will be, you know, safe as far as unloading and loading a boat with the water level. But we also have to remember there's going to be a lot of uh, traffic on the lakes um, for the holiday weekend. Oh, Terry, last week out here, I mean, there were hundreds of boats out here, and it's amazing all the, and it's that was mostly fishermen, and coming up Memorial Weekend, you're right, it's going to be everything. Well, yes, yeah, no question about it. It'll be, it'll be, and I think, you know, we can try to select a, a small lake, maybe that's sort of hidden, if you will, but even searching those out, and I went through that last year, uh, they were very, very heavy with traffic, so there's no lake that's not going to have a lot of traffic, Bill, unless if it's so low, they can't load a boat, right? Yeah, they yep, you're right. Out. Some of the wakeboard boats are, they're definitely bunk trailers. Oh, yes, no um, question about it. Yeah, and we've uh, had some comments. In fact, we're going to be talking about some etiquette later on today well, on some of these bodies of wire. We do need to practice that now, especially with the, you know, with the weekend coming up uh, where you're going to see a lot of traffic. But, yes, it's bass fishing time. I'm really looking forward to it. Terry, my my boys, Eric and Chad, gave me a, um inflatable life jacket, the first one I've ever had on. Yeah, and yesterday I promised them I'd wear it by, by myself if I'm fishing alone especially. I wore that yesterday fishing, Terry, and I didn't even know I had it on. They're wonderful items and highly recommend it to people to put them on. Oh, there's no question about it, yes. And, you know, the biggest factor with an inflatable, though, uh, you don't want to put a, a jacket over it or a coat over it right. or a raincoat, you know. But, yes, they are. You know, just that we have to understand an inflatable with uh, disarmament, armament, and so forth. And our thing, too, I should mention, and maybe you've already uh, discussed this, but you don't want to store those wet in a compartment in a boat. Right. No, I agree. You shouldn't store anything in a wet in a compartment, Terry. Exactly right. That's mildew time. Yes, it is. And uh, does a number on hooks, too. Oh, yeah. Yes, uh, it, it really, really does. And that's something we just need to really, you know, understand it and open up the compartments before you jam anything in there. You know, if it's inside storage, outside storage, doesn't make any difference. Make sure air can get in to dry everything out. And also with this hot weather, it's out, if things are out in the sun, the condensation from hot to cold or cold to hot makes a difference, and that will build up inside. So air your places, your compartments out. Oh yes, yeah, and it's always wise, you know, if you and especially when you got high humidity and so forth too. It's always wise, and what I do many many times, I'll take a little piece of styrofoam and place it in between the lid and the frame, and let air circulate, and that works out very very well. You're not damaging anything, and uh, air can get into those compartments. Terry, what's the first thing you'll tie on when bass opener comes around, or you get out fishing for bass? 
I think it's going to really be dependent on weather conditions and also the mood of the fish, Bill. Are they going to be in the spawn or are they going to be in the post-spawn? I'm going to make an assumption they're going to be in the post-spawn period, especially with the warmer weather coming in. And if that's the case, we're going to be dealing with uh, neutral to negative fish. I'll probably opt to go with plastics. Otherwise, depending where I'm fishing, if I'm fishing the river, I'm going to start with cranks. Uh, so, you know, um, the smaller crankbaits for both largemouth and smallmouth, but it's going to be extremely dependent on where these, what stage these fish are at. And I think, I don't know if you agree, but I think we're going to see post-spawn fish. I think we're going to see both, Terry, very honestly. I mean, it depends on the body of water because the cooler waters, I think things will change a little bit. And and, uh, when you get into some of the, the smaller, warmer lakes, I think you're right on. Yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be very, you know, further north. You know, bass start, usually start to stage and spawn right in the high 50s to low 60s. And I know the river, we're into that area. We have been in the high 50s. And so it's going to, and especially with the warm temperatures today and so forth, we're going to see a lot of these lakes warm up quickly. But here again, too, if you're 100% right. You know, the smaller bodies of water, they're going to be, I really think, in pre-spawn. I should say post-spawn. And maybe even possibly way north, they could be in pre-spawn. Yeah, I agree, Terry. I but totally should, agree. But it should be a good, a really a good opener uh, as far as you know the stages of these fish. And you know, I just thinking, I was just thinking about this uh, a couple of minutes ago that you know over the years of bass fishing, I think you can agree, Bill, is that bass you the. Uh, are usually spawning right around Memorial Day weekend, you know, throughout the given years. You know, it varies, of course, somewhat, but usually that's a pretty good time frame, the end of May. Yeah, and and I think early on in the season, for somebody that doesn't fish a lot, you could tie on a Sanko and rig it wacky and uh, go out and have a blast or tie on a spinnerbait and just go cover water, too, and have a good time. Oh, sure. Spinnerbaits are always good, I think, especially opening. The only thing with a spinnerbait, Bill, and I think you'll agree with this, is that if you watch anglers, especially a lot of newcomers, and not only newcomers, but uh, say there's 10 boats out fishing, eight of those boats will be working these uh, specific locations with spinnerbaits. You do not want to be number nine going out with a spinnerbait. You've got to try something different. You know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, a wacky style or swim jig, uh, some of those can be uh, much more productive. But the fish are going to be very conditioned uh, to these spinnerbaits, and there's a lot of noise, and once you start to, uh, these fish start to feel that noise and that pressure, they're going to really go into that negative mood. We went out to a little lake last week, Terry, and that has an abundance of small northerns in it. And Eric was fishing a, a big gaudy spinnerbait because northerns were the target for pickling. And uh, I was fishing a jig and a craw with orange pinchers on the craw. And just I was m- mainly pumping that through the water, and he was cranking and winding a spinnerbait. And we each caught fish, and it's amazing. Northerns aren't real fussy about what they're going to bite, especially the little ones, if those are the ones you want to catch. Oh, you're exactly right. And what we have to remember is that the uh, smaller fish, you know, these uh, small pike, are uh, much more aggressive. And the reason being they're more aggressive, one is that they want to eat to grow. I think their appetite is, you know, 
I don't know if they ever really fill up, if you will, uh, but they seem to always, always feed. But if you want those bigger pike, then you have to get a little bit more, shall we say, I don't want to say finesse, but maybe more specific with baits and lures. And I know same thing on the river. I did catch uh, a pike, a really a nice pike, and I was on a jig and a minnow. Uh, many times, pike aren't that particular. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, Terry, we'll let you get back after it and enjoy your new boat, buddy, and uh, stay safe, too. I sure want everybody to have a great bass open and enjoy uh, out there on the water, but be safe and be courteous. Excellent. Excellent. The courtesy is something that sometimes people don't find right away, and it's very frustrating at the ramp, too, or even on the water. So do listen to Terry. We will take a pause and come back with one more segment and uh, I'll tell you about Seth Fighter. He's doing it this time. He's getting closer. And we're down on Lake Gunnersville in Alabama. We'll tell you. I'll tell you where he's sitting right now at this moment on our return. On the fan. Well, I said I'd give you an update on Seth Fighter, and who is a Minnesota boy, who is down on Lake Gunnersville as we speak. This is the third day of competition, and today they will cut it to the top 10 anglers. Yesterday they cut it to the top, I think it was 40 or 50, maybe 50. And he made that cut, and right now Seth Fighter is sitting in eighth place so he's uh, doing extremely well today if he can just hold on to it uh, he has a daily limit of five fish down there which gives him 15 total and there's one other Minnesota angler that is in the mix and he is Austin Felix and Austin sitting in 18th place right now so both anglers are doing very very well as they uh, compete and the Bassmaster Elite Circuit. And I believe Seth's next event will be the Bassmasters Classic coming up, and this will be his fourth one. So it's pretty neat to have a Minnesota Minnesota angler down doing as well with the number of skills that Seth has. So kudos to Seth Fighter. And you can follow him at Bassmaster.com. Bob, I... Uh, I see that Dave Spot is producing some fish, huh? <laughs> yep, uh, neighbor Dave is uh, texting me photos of success this morning. So, uh, leeches on slip bobbers is the name of the game uh, on Bald Eagle Lake right now. So, will later today will that mean that you'll be out and pushing Dave off Dave's spot? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and maybe uh, maybe come evening, I I uh, will drown a, a leech or two. I think. Ah, uh, very good. Well, you had some success last weekend too. Did well, you no, not? nowhere near as as much success wow. as you. But Come yeah, on, I, I've get I've had one walleye meal so far. So well, it, good. It's it's not too bad. Not too bad. Well, you you mentioned. Uh, um, Something that happened to you and Eric that's never happened before, and uh, you've teased it, but I, I'm I'm waiting for it. Well, I I've fished for 
a long time, half a century at least, and more. And the as Eric and I were standing cleaning some fish last weekend, we were working on things. And earlier in the day, I had uh, fish that had had swallowed the one of the the jigs that I was fishing, and this happened to. Two of three of them, I think. Well, rather than kill the fish right then, I decided that was going to be a, it was a nice enough fish to keep it, and I just left the jig in its mouth and cut the line, and I figured I'd pick get retur- retrieve the jig later. Mm-hmm. So when it came time to clean them, we were looking for it, and uh, I, I got one, and I it was I was fishing a chartreuse jig, and I looked in the inside the stomach or into the throat and i could see a little chartreuse and i said to eric ha i found one i got it good so i was looking forward to it and dig down a little deeper and here it wasn't my jig it was a different jig Mm -hmm. and a different style and so i mentioned it to him dug it out and huh doggone we're just like going shopping for tackle i said (laughs) And all of a sudden, I found another one, a different color one, of the same style, and it had no line on the eye of the hook. So I found two jigs, but didn't find my own. Now, whether that was a different fish, and this fish it just decided it was going to eat and swallow jigs, but it had a healthy appetite. I have never found baits inside a fish. I haven't cleaned a lot of fish either but i've never looked well that changed the attitude of he and i we started looking for for tackle inside fish before we uh, put them in the in the dead fish bucket hmm. but uh, have you ever found tackle inside of a fish uh no not i mean real real infrequently yeah um i think i've found uh, a lure inside of a pike before um you know those water wolves have a tendency to break off some lines but um it's pretty rare pretty rare well and with those two jigs having no line on them Hmm. i'm guessing that the fault may have belonged to the angler for not tying a good knot too other there there should have been some line a little tag of line left on the jig my thought is yeah so have you 100 percent transitioned to fishing or is that unfilled turkey license gnawing at the back of your mind at all it's not gnawing but it's still available should i want to go i have all my my gear shotgun and clothes my limitic stuff is all set to roll um but i'm i'm i've lost a bit of interest in it especially as it gets hot today mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, maybe i'll go once or, once or twice i had a turkey another hen turkey in the yard here and we were, uh, it was amazing. I don't know if it's the same hen or a different hen, but I said to Eric, if she nests, maybe we'll have some jakes running around next fall mm. or next spring or fall. Um, so we'll have to see. But no, I don't have a lot of interest in it right now. How about you? I, it's not at the back of my mind, uh, for sure. But it, like you, you look at the weather report today, and it's going to be mid to late or mid to upper eighties. It just doesn't feel much like um, hunting weather. It feels yeah. much more like fishing weather. 
Um, One of the things that I thought I'd mention, too, is we had a wood duck house that was active and that watched the hen for a number of weeks now come and go. And it's fun to watch her when they come back and they're so cautious before they go in. And the one of the hen, the hen jumped out of the box when the dogs were outside while the dogs chased her away, thinking that she was ready to call the chicks out. And uh, they, she left and then came back that night. Well, the next day we kept the dogs all inside and we were very careful. And all of a sudden she came out of the house and showed herself halfway and then she went back in. Then she came out and this took about an hour. And we're just, Erica's just watching, I'm on about my business. Because he said that was a bucket list of his, a bucket list item of his. He wanted to see them jump. Mm. And all of a sudden, he says, she's going to do it. She hopped down to the ground. She's looking up, and her head's bobbing back and forth. And I couldn't hear, but I know that she she calls the babies. And all of a sudden, they started jumping, and we were counting them. And it got to, I think, nine or ten, and... And it just kept on going. They kept jumping out and hitting the ground and bouncing, and back they go behind her. And as they got to 15, she waited a little bit and called a little more, and then off they went. Mm -hmm. Little ducks in a row, which is where the term came from, uh, wandered over the concrete apron of the shed here and then headed over to the wooded part of the lot and disappeared never to be seen again so there were 15 little ducks in there as we cleaned the house out there were seven eggs additional eggs that did not hatch Mm. in that particular house so there were a lot of eggs in there and i'm sure it was pretty crowded for those little critters but i I, i'm hoping that they made it and time will tell i guess but now eric understands why it's a wood duck sanctuary around here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's pretty fun it's um it's the perfect time spring rebirth and renewal and uh lots of things sitting on nests right now turkeys pheasants ducks um rough grouse it's um special time of the seasons Bob, you tweeted in, in the Star Tribune, there's an article this morning mm. that talks about the COVID restrictions being raised, uh, released for the Northwest Angle residents traveling through Canada to get to the mainland USA. Uh, it's going to be, it won't be too long, and I think they're talking right now about easing the border restrictions too. They're talking about it, but uh, you're a little more optimistic than I am about how quickly that's going to happen. Hopefully, hopefully it'll open up uh, where where folks, I know a lot of folks that have cabins on um, on, on the northern side of the border, rainy and, and whatnot, and they haven't been able to get to their cabin in over a year now. And it's, it's, it's weighing on them big time. Um, but they're not hearing a lot of good things in the short term about getting back up there. But you're right. Yesterday there was some some good movement. Folks that live in the Northwest Angle um, can come cross back into Minnesota from from work back and forth. So without having to be tested every day, that's that's a major major shift from um, um, what's been in place for better part of a year. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Bob. So what are your plans today, sir? 
Uh, well, gonna go run the dogs, uh, get some exercise for the pups before it gets too warm, and then, then uh, finish off the garden for the day, and probably catch, hopefully, catch some fish in the uh, at sunset. Well, my puppy Bree has been very quiet, thankfully, so I'll have to hustle up and get her outside. But I, I want to say thank you to our guests, to Mr. Jeff Anderson of Leisure Outdoor Adventures for joining us this morning, for Denny Fletcher of Fletcher's Bait and Tackle here in Sox Center, Minnesota, for joining us. And do stop in, visit him, and tell him you heard about him on, on Fan Outdoors. And also tackle Terry, who's picking up his brand-new Vexus boat this morning. Thank you for allowing Bob and I to travel with you. For our producer, Brett Blakemore, for Bob St. Pierre, I'm Billy Hildebrand saying, we'll see you Thursday night. We're back for that Thursday. Till then.